Your friends at the Vampire Squid Goldman Sachs were selling stocks while the retail investors, they were buying them. Who was right? Only time will tell. The first thing I want to look at is what Goldman was doing in the last quarter of 2021. The second thing I want to talk about is oil rising. Goldman Sachs had some things to say. They show some charts. They give you the historical context. They give you everything. I give you the numbers. I give you the data. And the third thing is the energy changes that are happening. You would think with all of the money being invested into solar panels and wind and so on that you would see the demand. But coal right now, coal in high demand in one country in particular and if you stay until the end i'll give you something interesting to take a look at let's begin here it is goldman sachs they produce this report every quarter and here it is showing us what happened as of the end of 2021 i have given you the updates in previous videos wanted to make this one just to give you an idea now it's important to see this and track it over time and not put too much energy into what goldman sachs is doing but i wanted to highlight this to start off the video i think it is really important to see what is happening to the big money where is it going to and from obviously a company like goldman sachs knows about things before the general public now it doesn't mean that if they sell today or let's say last quarter that that's going to be the same thing moving on into the future that's not how it works but it just gives you some insight as to what was happening and in hindsight we could see their progress well as you can see they call it harvesting which i find interesting significant progress these are the words that they're choosing remember significant progress in asset sales over the past two years offset by markups so they measure it they got rid of 2020 in there as if we'll just forget about the year that existed you can see what happened starting it off at 22 billion dollars markups okay so the obviously the the market did very well over the last while but you look at this net dispositions so they added about six billion but they sold off in this period they sold off 18 billion dollars 18 billion dollars in sales pretty big okay pretty big and so of course equating to total of 12 but just what i wanted to highlight here is the fact that they are selling a lot of of their assets now it doesn't break it down into precisely exactly what they're selling but you can see the progress even so much so that they mention it here now i found that to be rather intriguing so what did they have to say about one asset that has been performing extremely well over this period well they've got a message here but i'll show you this first and that is the price of oil wti crude is over 86 dollars a barrel brent crude over 88 dollars a barrel many many people many investors have talked about crude over $100 a barrel. Now, this would not be the first time we've seen $100 a barrel, but here we are today. We estimate, this is from Goldman Sachs, and I'll show you a few, in fact. We estimate 
the back-end prices rallying to $90 and Brent spot prices reaching $105 are required to reach the necessary spare capacity and stock builds. That's huge. We're going to talk about that more, by the way. What's happening with the actual inventories? High oil prices will generate the supply, mostly shale, and demand responses necessary for stocks to build back towards uh, the average levels. That's what that chart on the bottom left says. And then the other one on the bottom right says, without higher prices, we will not have acceptable levels of global spare capacity. You know, you can look at the charts and the numbers and everything. All I'm trying to show you here is basically what they've said. Because when you're watching this video, who knows? Is the price at $86? Is it at $88? Is it at $42? I mean, we it's too hard, but, but the trends are there. That's what I'm trying to highlight, the trends. If you ever want to see any of the sources, um, other individuals, other channels, and especially the mainstream media, they're never going to show you the actual source. They'll, you know, if you're lucky, they'll mention where it comes from. But always check down in the description under the sources. You will see that. I include those for you, and I have since day one. Global oil demand has remained resilient around those, you know, early 2020 levels. Unbelievable to say the least. You know, you can look at this and break it down. Marine fuel, jet, passenger diesel, and so on. And we're going back to those levels. The demand is there, certainly on one side. When you look at what's happening um, with production, it has been quite consistent, even though the prices are excessive on everything, everything in relation to, you know, when, when you take, if you were to put oil in the middle and, and all the things around it, transporting goods, transporting food, all the products that are made from oil, so many things, all of them have ex really exceeded anyone's expectations. The recent deficit has exceeded expectations, speaking of which, Bringing global inventories well below what happened in 2020 at those levels there. Just take a look. Here we are, beginning of the year, end of 2021 timeframe. You could see, just looking at that makes you wonder what's going to happen here as it relates to the price. I mean, supply and demand, it's there. Whether or not it's contrived or not, doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter. Historically, such combination of low inventories and spare capacity have been resolved by sharp rallies in long-dated oil prices. And on the right-hand side, the rallies in long-dated prices were necessary to create a sufficient inventory buffer in the face of low spare capacity, eventually leading to weaker time spreads. All you need to know is that historically, when we have gotten down to these low inventory levels, prices have gone up. That's all. That's the English translation. We identify six similar precedents of low inventories and spare capacity always resolved by rallies and long data prices large enough to normalize these two buffers. Of course, you can read that for yourself. Each time spare capacity normalized over the following 18 months, prior rallies also saw relatively sizable block builds. Okay, all that's there. It's a lot of jargon. I get it. I know. But I wanted to give you this because it gives you some insight. I've talked about it a hundred times as it relates to the price of oil. And it's never linear. Look at what happened. Didn't WTI go down 
after looking like it was going to head to 100, it came back down to $65 a barrel. And then here we were, right? So keep your eyes peeled on that. The recent deficit has exceeded expectations, bringing the global inventories. I covered this. And then we have what could change everything. And that is a rate hike. All of this information I've got given you today, as well as the all, all the other videos, everything has been relying on super low interest rates. But what if that changes? Well, now we are seeing the bets being put on an increase in rates. It's looking very possible, exceedingly, you know, let's just say it's the most likely outcome. We don't know what's going to happen. That hasn't happened yet. But it looks like March 2022, Fed meeting, increasing interest rates will occur. Oil prices hit a seven-year high on rising geopolitical tensions. There's many different reasons why this is happening. Okay, Oil being such an important commodity, you know, you see all different things, whether it's geopolitical tensions, whether it's supply and demand fundamentals, whether you see... I mean, just look at look at lumber. Look at lumber going from historical norm to seventeen hundred, then down to four hundred and fifty, then back up over a thousand. This is not necessarily just supply and demand. A lot of that is speculation coming from the financial industry. All right, and then let's look at some factors here. Let's look at what's been happening with the energy changes, but also what's happening in general in the economy. And wait a second here, because I got something interesting to give you as well. Look, the U.S. Empire State Manufacturing Survey business condi conditions going back to levels we haven't seen since March 2020. Okay, It is actually in a contraction at this time. The excuse at this moment is that, hey, prices are high. We don't have the availability for certain products and items that we need. So you see that reflected there. Europe car sales plunged 22%, punctuating the worst year in decades. Unbelievable to see that. The Dow, at the time you're watching this, who knows what's happening here. Um, but I'm noticing very clearly what's going on. I'm looking at the markets around the world. The futures are, in fact, dictating markets are going to head lower again, which is unusual because they are really oversold in many, many categories, many different indicators showing that. But look at what's happening. As they say here, NASDAQ falling 2.6%, the 10-year rises to a two-year high, okay? It's it's unbelievable. There's the chart just showing you the manufacturing survey. It's it's crazy to say the least. To look at this, you could look at who could win, who could continue to win. Something that I talked about many times before. When inflation goes up, who are the winners? It could be commodities, but one of those stock sectors is European banks. Disappointing decade for European bank stocks gives way to a rally. All right. And before my voice goes out, and it is 2.45 in the morning as I record this, 
Start of the day, the spectacular and depressing surge in Chinese coal production November to December 2021 hitting an all-time high. Look, what's happening? The demand is there and they're pumping out the coal. That's a fact, okay? That is an absolute fact. China has surpassed Japan as the world's largest LNG importer. Whether it's natural gas, whether it's coal, whether it is any of these, when the energy demand is there, the voracious appetite will also be there. And this is just something I found as well. ARC, that which makes up ARC, Innovation ETF, down across the board, you can see the red 50% decline. 50% decline. Okay, you stayed until the end. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was funny. For maximum EV efficiency, stick to 25 miles an hour and ignore the angry drivers. <laughs> so you can go and drive on the highway. To get your maximum efficiency, hypermilers are in pursuit of extreme fuel efficiency. In electric cars, invite road rage with painfully slow driving. Please don't do that. Please don't go on the highway. Start driving at super slow speeds. Just to get... <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was funny putting at the end here. That's all for today's video. I think I lost my voice. Who knows? All right. I want to appreciate you for being here today. If you support me, hit that thumbs up button. If you do, my voice will come back. All right. I appreciate that. If you haven't seen this video yet, you definitely want to check it out. So click it and I'll see you there.